invite you to take out your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to start in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them, two of Jesus' disciples, uh, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood there, their faces downcast. Now one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus, Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and in deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the woman had said, they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did the Messiah, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he, walked, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Malcolm Muggeridge was a popular British journalist who lived in the, the 20th century. And uh, his father was one of the early leaders in the, the Labour Party in, in Britain. And Muggeridge adored his father, and so um, early on, he supported the, the socialist cause, just like his father did. 
Muggeridge even considered immigrating to Russia to be a part of socialism there. And there's a remarkable story of what happened in Russia to cement Malcolm Muggeridge's conversion to Christianity. So Muggeridge was in Russia. He was there to convict, uh, conduct some interviews with government officials. Now, when he was younger, Muggeridge, uh, he had been intrigued by Christianity. Um, it kind of haunted him, but he, he remained a skeptic until later in his life when this, this story happened. And while he was there in Russia conducting these interviews, he wound up attending a Russian Orthodox Easter service. Now, mind you, Stalin and communism tried to stamp out Christianity in Russia by telling people there is no God, there is no Christ. Well, on that Easter Sunday morning, the church was packed. And at the end of the service, the priest proclaimed to the congregation, Christ is risen. And the church shouted back, He is risen indeed! It's like the kids shouting, Amen! And Muggeridge says he looked into their faces and he saw such joy. He instantly knew that they were right and Stalin was wrong. Now this morning I want to ask you, what does it mean to you that Christ is risen? What does it mean to you? Does that make a real difference in you? Does it give you palpable joy? It should. And I want to look at a few fundamental things that Jesus is alive means to us. So one, Jesus is alive means that you have a real relationship with Christ. See, being a Christian is not about being aware of Jesus Christ. Being a Christian is not about relating to an idea of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was born as a human being, among other human beings. And as Jesus grew up as a person, as Jesus interacted with his fellow townsmen, as Jesus grew up in the synagogue and made friends, as Jesus went into people's homes and became their friend, he was showing something integral to Christianity. Being a Christian is about having a real relationship with, not an idea, not a figment, but a real person, Jesus Christ. And let me repeat something that Jesus said that drives this home in his great prayer, in Jesus' great prayer to God the Father, which is recorded in John chapter 17. Jesus identifies what eternal life is. John 17, verse 3, Jesus says, Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is in knowing a person, and not just knowing about. That is not what that word know means, as Luke is telling us. I mean, as, as John is telling this in his gospel. The word for know there means experiential knowledge. Not that you know facts about someone, but that you know someone because you've experienced life with that person through that relationship. And now the last time I checked, the only way to have a real relationship with someone instead of relating to an idea of that person or instead of having a memory of that person, the only way that I know to have a real relationship with a person is for that person to be alive. Um... 
You know, every once in a while, someone will say, does Jesus' resurrection really matter? I mean, he died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. Isn't that enough for my Christianity? No, that's not enough. Because Christianity is fundamentally about walking with a real person, Jesus Christ. And the only way for that to happen is if Jesus really is alive and really is present with us today. Now, the story reveals a few important things about having this real relationship with Jesus. I want to go through three thoughts from the story. First, Jesus thinks that you are worthy of his time. In other words, you don't have to beg your way into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He thinks you are worthy of his time. Now consider the story, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them, they were going to a village called Emmaus. Now Emmaus was seven miles from Jerusalem, pretty fast in your car to get there, not by foot. And they were walking with each other about, and they were talking with each, with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked, he walked along with them. Now the original language puts it like this. And having drawn near, Jesus was walking along with them. Having drawn near, Jesus intentionally drew near to these two disciples. Now who were they? Now, we don't, we know one of their name, one of their names, Cleopas, right? Okay, so he's not one of the 11, not one of the 11 remaining inner disciples like Peter, James, and John. Who is Cleopas? We're not quite sure. The other disciple isn't even named, so maybe it was Cleopas' wife, Cleopas' wife, maybe not. Maybe just an unnamed person. But we do know one thing about them. They are having a crisis of faith. See, they themselves report, we heard from our friends that they went to the tomb and we, they said that they encountered an angel. The angel said, he is not dead. He is alive. Well, you think that would be great news, right? If I heard that news, I would be inclined to maybe stick around Jerusalem a little bit longer to see what happened, but not these two. They're going back to Emmaus. They're going down that seven-mile walk instead of waiting to figure out what's going to happen. Why? Because they're having a crisis of faith. They don't believe. And that's why the story is so beautiful. Because we may expect Jesus to have spent his very first day of his resurrection, and this is what it is. This is his very first day of his resurrection. We may have expected Jesus to spend that day with the inner disciples. But instead, he saw the crisis of faith of these two lesser-known disciples. And Jesus is a shepherd. And Jesus knows his 99 sheep, and he knows the one that has wandered off. And that's who he runs to. He runs to go rescue these two little sheep that have wandered off. That's how Jesus spends the bulk of his first resurrection day. Now, maybe you feel like a no-namer to God. Maybe you are here this morning primarily, if you were to be honest with yourself, a big skeptic. Don't know if all this is true. 
Listen, when I read this story, it makes me want to suggest something to you. Maybe the reason you are here this morning is Jesus wants you to know that He is already coming alongside you. And He's coming after you today. And He wants to go on this walk of life with you. So Jesus considers you very worthy of His time. And two, we walk with Christ by reading the Scriptures. I mean, how do you walk with Christ? Well, if we think about this story, these two individuals and Jesus, they talked along their way, and so we walk with Christ one way through prayer, right? We, we can speak our hearts to the Lord. Prayer is key. Now, you can simply talk to Jesus about what is on your mind. That is true. But it isn't incidental what they talked about while they were on the road. So let's look at verse 27. Verse 27 says, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus went through the Old Testament with them. Now, they weren't thinking of it as their Old Testament. That's what we think of it as. But for them, that was, that was their sacred scriptures, right? That was the whole of it. And Jesus is talking through their sacred scriptures with them and showing them how it points to him. So Jesus goes through, he would have gone through the different stories in Genesis and shown how they pointed to him. And then going on into Exodus, how Jesus is the Passover lamb, that that sacrificial lamb, that in Exodus, it just the little animal lamb just pointed to Jesus. Jesus would have pointed out how the tabernacle and later the temple, which were very limited buildings for God's presence, how, how they were fulfilled in Him, how, how Jesus is the, the perfect presence of God. He would have described how the Old Testament prophets pointed to Him. Think about that seven-mile walk, pretty long walk, right? Several hours long. It gave Jesus a lot of time to unpack their sacred scriptures and teach them. And later that evening, as Jesus disappeared from their sight, and they sought to explain to themselves, what just happened? Verse 32 says what they said to each other. Were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road? And he he opened the scriptures to us. So it wasn't like some, oh, I'm having my academic Bible study. Their hearts were burning within them. And I think we see a principle in this. The more that you read the Scriptures, the more that you will see Jesus. It's a a directly proportional relationship. The more that we spend time in the Scriptures and God's Word, the more we will see Jesus. If you want to have your hearts burn within you, read the Scriptures. And then ask Jesus, Jesus, help me to see you in your Word. I got to tell you, I'm excited about this Bible in a Year program that that we're going to be doing this series, reading through the Bible in 12 months or so. You know, whether or not you are f- following that that scheduled scripture reading, I hope we will all be reading the scriptures more together as we go through the storyline of the Bible this year. Because the more that you read, the more that you will see Jesus. So I'm excited. I'm excited about what God will be doing in our church as we go about this series together. And listen 
to Him opening up the Scriptures to us. And three, meet with Jesus in the ordinary details of life. How did these disciples, these two disciples, find Jesus that day? Well, they, they found it on a walk via a dirt road. Later in their house, they found him sitting at their dining table. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks. Just this common bread. He broke it and he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were open and they saw Jesus. You know, maybe they saw when he was breaking the bread, maybe they saw his scarred hands. Oh, that's Jesus. Oh my gosh. Or maybe they remembered him breaking the, the five loaves of bread and feeding the, the 5,000, the multitude. And they recognized Jesus. But but listen, friends, it doesn't take a, a religious pilgrimage to find Jesus. It doesn't, doesn't require um, a long journey for us. We find Jesus in the everyday, ordinary details of life. Now let me ask you, think about this. How did the disciples come to have Jesus in their home that day? They invited him. Jesus was sitting at their dining table because they asked him to. So as they approached Emmaus, Jesus appeared to be going farther. You know why he appeared to be going farther? Because I think he was going farther. I think, I think that was his intent. And you know how it goes. You're visiting maybe with a neighbor outside of your house and you're talking for a while and the neighbor starts making that move, kind of like, okay, now I'm walking to my house. And you kind of, you, you see the neighbor kind of going a little further away as you're still talking. I think that's what, how it was going with Jesus and his disciples. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm going this way. And I think through his body posture and movement, he indicated, well, I'm headed off. And then we get to verse 29 of our scripture. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. They urged him, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. And he didn't say, oh, no, I really got to, I got to get, I got to get on. I've got, I I got lots of, I got to go see my other friends. No, he said, okay, I'll stay with you. He went in their home and blessed bread and gave it to them. Now the word uh, used, uh, for urged there, it it indicates the use of force. I mean, not physical force. I don't think they like apprehended him. I think they just um, emotional force. Please, I mean, I think they pled with Jesus. Once they saw that he was heading on, please stay with us. Why did he plead with Jesus? Because their hearts were burning. They didn't put words to that yet, but their hearts were burning as they walked with Jesus. They were earnest in their hearts. So let me suggest something from this text. When you earnestly ask Jesus from your heart to be with you, to accompany you, to be in your life, He willingly says yes, and He will never turn you down. They spent the day together with Jesus, and they did it through an honest ask. You see, Jesus does not force Himself on anyone. He 
offers his presence to you. He does not order his presence upon you. And all he needs to stay is a simple invitation from you. Will you walk with us further? Will you join us in our home for dinner, Jesus? Think about the many things that you can invite Jesus into. Jesus, will you join me at my office today? I've got this difficult meeting, and I know it's going to be less difficult if I know that you're there with me. Jesus, will you, will you go with me to school today? Because I've got, I've got a crazy day. I know this teacher doesn't like me. These other guys are out to get me. Will you walk with me at school today, Jesus? In my marriage, it's going through a rocky time. Will you be with me in my household, Jesus? Or as I go to the doctor, Will you be with there, there with me in the waiting room? And then I, as I go into the examination room, Lord Jesus, be with me. Will you do that? As I read my Bible, Jesus, will you join me? Will you open up your words to me? Will you help me to see you and learn about you through your words? And the, the way to engage with Jesus, it is through the ordinary details of life, and it begins with an honest ask. And then you engage with His words. And not just the, the red letter print in your Bible, but, but all of the Scriptures, because all of those Scriptures point to Jesus. And you realize that the words are not just printed on the page, but they are living words from Jesus to you as you go about your day. Because remember, that is what a relationship with Christ is all about. Him going through your day with you and speaking to you. And that's His Word. And Jesus will take His Word that you have read, and throughout the day, He will bring it to your mind. Or it will just leap out from the page, whether it's a promise to you to count on, or an instruction to you to live by, or it's a revelation that Jesus is giving to you about Himself for you to stand on, and you'll realize this is a word from the Lord that I just got. And if it's happened to you, if that's happened to you, you, you know what I'm talking about. This is a word from the Lord that I just received. And if it hasn't happened to you, it will. It will when you invite Jesus to come alongside you in your day. That's why we need to encourage one another and be able to share with one another. This is the word from the Lord that I heard today as I was reading my, my word, His word, to me. Well, that was the longest by far of our big points today in the sermon. So I want to briefly go about two other things that Jesus is alive means for us. Jesus is alive because it's Easter, and we need this. Jesus is alive means hope for all of our disappointments. Because don't you hear the disappointment from these disciples in the story? They're like, oh, we believed in this fellow Jesus, and we were hoping. We were hoping. Verse 21, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. 
What's more, it's the third day since all this took place. It's the third day and our hope is waning. So let me suggest something. One more thing. Jesus reaffirms his presence with us primarily to build up our faith or to give us hope or to reveal his love. He doesn't primarily show us his presence just to let us know that he's hanging out with us, in other words. He does it in order to build us up in faith, hope, and love. And that's what he's doing with these two disciples to reveal to them he is there saving them. Jesus tells them in verse 26, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? And then, and then, enter his glory and he's filling them with hope. Because that is the Easter perspective, is it not? And it could appear that all is lost, but it's not. You can feel like you are facing your biggest disappointment, but you are instead standing in the gateway to your biggest joy and celebration. That's the Easter message. The Messiah had to suffer, but then he goes to his glory. That's the Easter message. The message of Easter is that though we may share in his sufferings, we also share in Jesus' glory. I mean, his body was broken, but in his glory he received a new one. He received a new physical body, one that no longer perishes. And in that physical body he walked with these disciples. He sat in their home. If he didn't have purposes for later that day, he could have eaten that bread that he broke and gave to his disciples. That new resurrected physical body of Jesus could have done that. That is what the resurrection of Jesus gets us. One day we will experience his resurrection and we will receive those bodies that do not perish and we will walk with one another down those long roads except now, then, we won't grow weary. And we will talk with Jesus and one another in days that do not mark the slow deterioration and aging of our current, current mortal bodies. And we will finally receive the thing that every one of us wants, and that is love that will last and not die one day. That is the hope of Easter. And that is why their hearts were burning within them as they heard Jesus open up the Scriptures because they're... they're they're realizing and Jesus is showing them it's all true, it's all true. You were hoping and you were losing hope. But it's all true. So make no mistake, if you are not sure of what Christianity is about, it is about believing in and giving your life to the to this Savior of ours, Jesus Christ, who through His life and through His death and through His resurrection has secured for us the future that we are all dreaming of and that's why their hearts were burning because that day jesus unfolded for them the good news was not just a pipe dream but it is real and true and there's one more thing that jesus is alive means for us at least through this story it means that you are witnesses. You know, people are hesitant to share their their faith today, aren't they? We like to keep it private. That's kind of the big word for today, private. Private and personal. 
just between me and God. Now think of these two disciples after they realized that they had just been with Jesus. What do they do? Do they say, whew, well, that was a, end of an exciting day. Let's just, let's just get an early night's sleep. No. What do they do? They go all the way back to Jerusalem, seven miles back. In the evening, in the later parts of the day, do not miss out on the fact, out, out on the fact that people did not travel the roads at night because there were bandits and robbers that were out to prey on unsuspecting travelers. That didn't stop them. They're going back to Jerusalem because they are witnesses. Verse 35 says, Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. What gives them the drive to do that? What gives them the drive to do that which we are kind of reluctant to do today out of fear of overstepping our bounds with others? What drives them to do that that was a real experience of Jesus, their relationship with Jesus, not an idea, but a real walk with a real person. And when you have a personal experience with that living Christ, He gives you power and He gives you courage. And let me, let me suggest that it is through your personal walk with Jesus that you will have courage to face not just the fear of sharing your faith, but any fear that comes your way. It's when you know, Jesus, I'm walking with you through this. You are real. And you're with me. That will give you courage to face all of your fears. So one more thought, how are we to witness? Well, um, yes, to your friend who is an unbeliever, who's going through a hard time, and you have a chance to share hope with your friend, absolutely yes. But also we're to witness to one another. Not by coming up with necessarily PhD-level apologetics. You don't have to do that. You can do that, but you don't have to do that to be a witness. We just witness to one another that we have seen Jesus, that we are walking with Jesus, and that we know that He's with us. So you witness by showing your everyday life. I mean, your everyday faith. Your everyday faith. This is, this is why it's so important that we gather together because we bear witness of the resurrection of Jesus. Not just Easter Sunday, but every Sunday. Every day that we gather together, as a church, we are bearing witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. And you can go through a tough week or a tough month or a tough year, and the church gathers together to say, oh, do you believe? Because it's been a hard week for me. It's been a hard month. Do you believe? And we're able to say to one another, yes, yes, I believe. I believe because I've seen Him. I may not have seen Jesus, seen Jesus, but I've seen Jesus. I know that He is with me. I walk with Him. He has showed up in His Word. He's given me great joy. Oh, I've seen Him. There's no other way to explain the burning in my heart other than the fact that I've seen Jesus. And that's what we get to do with one another as we gather, gather together as a church. And maybe this morning you need to hear that witness. Maybe this morning you need to give that witness. 
to one another. So think about that Russian Orthodox Church that Malcolm Muggeridge was in that Easter Sunday morning. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. No. Christ is risen. Amen. Amen. Our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, thank You for walking on this journey with us. Not being this God way up there that we have to beg to come into Your presence. No, You come and You you seek us out. You draw near to us. Lord, we ask for a gift. We ask for your presence. We ask for, as we as a church seek to encourage one another in our faith, and as a church, as we seek to be a witness to this Clear Lake community, Lord Jesus, will you come alongside of us? As we get ready to open up your scriptures this year, starting with Genesis and going all the way through them this year, Will you bless us in that journey? Will you speak to us? Will you join us in our Bible studies? As we're at home with our kids and we're, we're sharing these Bible stories with them and asking questions and engaging in discussion, will you, will you be a part of that? Will you do us that, that honor of just being with us? Thank you, Lord. And the story that we see, of course you will because you've done it in the past and you've been doing it ever since. And Lord, if there is a heart here today that needs hope, Lord, will you speak hope to them? Encourage and let them know that you are alive. We give you all thanks, all praise, all honor. Amen.